We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Was to um, Titus chapter 2. Let me pray one more time. Is that okay? That's okay. Hello, we're coming before. Lord, just thanking you so much Lord, for um, uh, just our lives, Lord. And as we uh, just dive into your word, Lord, just uh, these five verses, Lord, um, kind of directed, Lord, to the young man, Lord. But I know, Lord, uh, uh, as believers, Lord, we're all called to, to represent you well, Lord, and to uh, um, be a light to this world, Lord, and to, to help each other here, Lord, to help each other in our homes, Lord, and out and about, Lord, and in the streets, Lord, help us, Lord, to uh, live that life that you've called us to uh, that you've called us to, Lord. And again, we just ask that you um, hear our prayer now, Lord. Uh, bless our time, Lord. Help me, Lord, um, to just give out your word and, uh, and just be my brothers and sisters out, out here, Lord. Um, may they hear you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in, uh, we're going to kind of continue where we've been at, um, Titus chapter 2. We're going to be going over verses 6 through 10. 6 through 10. So let's read those and then we'll... Uh, We'll get started. Chapter 2 of Titus. Everyone have a Bible? Everyone's good? All right. Uh, chapter 2, verses verse 6 through 10. Let's start. It says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that, I, that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Verse 9, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Hopefully you guys were here last week. Uh, we kind of went down the list of the people, uh, the different people in the congregation, uh, the older men, uh, the not-so-older ladies, uh, the younger men, the younger ladies, and how they're supposed to be at home, and how the, the older uh, women are to um, admonish them to live that life for the Lord. Um, and I was so blessed by the study. I heard it at home. I didn't get to sit in, but I heard it at home, and it was really, really awesome study. Uh, and it's cool how Paul is giving Titus um, this direction, all this input and all this wisdom to give to the people of the church. Sometimes uh, hard to hear, but the Lord wants to give us and to show us and to teach us, right? He wants to teach us. And um, as you can see in verses 1 through 5, chapter 2, it goes over many things that we uh, ordinarily struggle with. Uh, the Lord knows what we struggle with, and, and through His Word and through the power of, of His, uh, the Holy Spirit, we can live that life that's pleasing to Him and, and a witness to the world. And today we're going to continue on that list of people of the, in the congregation and then the instruction to Titus to teach the young men. Crazy young guys, right? Um, again, Manny last week mentioned it's kind of hard to, to place an age group or, or an age on this text here, um, but we kind of know, right? If you're younger, you know this is what this is kind of going to be for you. Um, and it's kind of cool how how Titus is a younger pastor. Um, you know, he's uh, he's fairly young. Some uh, most commentators say he's like in his thirties, fairly young. Um, but how he's going to teach and also be an example to to the young men. 
And ultimately, the Word of God will impact a person's life. The Word of God has impacted your life, right? Just the Word of God. But sometimes I know he uses a person to deliver it that makes it more, you know, um, I don't know. You can hear it better, I guess. But uh, mostly the Word of God will speak to you. Um, the Lord placed Titus here in, in Crete to teach and to be an example, to be an example to the people of the church. So hopefully if you're a young man today, the Lord will, will speak to you. If you're young or old, man or woman, you know, really it doesn't matter here in the house of the Lord, um, in this ministry. Uh, uh, it was made really clear last week that, uh, that we're all essential to the spiritual growth of this fellowship. Amen? You guys all know that, right? You're all essential here. Um, you can be used to lead and to guide people to the Lord. Uh, it's a blessed responsibility. It's a responsibility for all of us. Sometimes very difficult to lead that expected life of the Lord. Uh, sometimes we fall and trip up, uh, but it's okay. The Lord will help us get right back up and continue on this life, um, trying to please Him every step of the way. So let's read verse 6 again, kind of where it starts. Uh, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. So the young men are called to be sober-minded. And, and it continues on in, in verse 7. It kind of seems like it's a continuation of the list. But that, Lord, that word yourself in, in verse 7, uh, it implies that, that Paul's speaking to Titus. Uh, but in a way, uh, since Titus is younger, it's kind of speaking to the young men anyways. Uh, so we'll go over the sober-minded part first. Sober-minded means to be uh, safe in mind, self-controlled. Another translation says to urge the young men to behave, to behave. Part of which is something your mom would tell you. Huh? Behave carefully. Take life seriously. Um, uh, I read this other definition too. This is, this is a really cool. Um, the exercise of that self-restraint that governs all passions and desires, enabling the believer to be conformed into the mind of Christ. So the young man, if you're at that age when you're making decisions for yourself, maybe, maybe out of your parents' home, maybe not. Um, but I guess at that age of responsibility. When you understand you have some important decisions to make, you are to be sober-minded. Very important to start off on the right foot as a young man because you're not going to be young for long. Many people will say it's probably one of the most crucial times in a man's life. Uh, you can really put yourself on the wrong road if you're not careful. You know, at this time of life, what do young men want to do? Just mess around, huh? Just play games, um, do certain things, just live it up. Um, they want to do what they want to do, and they usually don't care what other people think. Generally speaking, not all young men are around like that. Um, but I knew, I knew a lot of young men that were like that. Um, I hung around a lot of young men that were like that. And um, I was kind of one of those young men as well. Um, I know it's hard as a young man. Um, you've been under your parents' home for so long, being under their care, under their roof. Under their rules, right? Under their rules, right? Which is why it's so important to, to teach these young men, these young people in your home, uh, your children, what God expects of them. You have, to be ra- you have to raise them in the ways of the Lord. They have to know that God does not, it doesn't stop there, that God continues to expect them to live that, re- that responsible life for Him. We all see the world pulling and tugging at these young people, Right? It's just drawing them out of the church. And we as a church need to battle against that, against the world for these young men. 
We need to reach out to them, teach them, warn them about the, the mistakes that we've made. Who's made mistakes here? We've all made mistakes, right? It's kind of hard to share those things sometimes. But for the benefit of a brother, the benefit of your son, would you want to share those with him? Probably, right? Because you don't want him to go through those things. And I don't want my sons to go through those things. And uh, it's, it's an opportunity to, uh, to warn them, um, to protect them from the world. But, but doesn't your heart grow out to them, to these young people nowadays? Uh, because it's, it's really difficult. It's really hard to, to start off well. Um, but is it impossible? It's not impossible. It's not uh, if you're a young man today here, don't listen to the lies of the world, that you need this or need that, that you can be free and go about and live this life um, the way you see fit. Kind of like what, what Cynthia mentioned, huh? It's not our life. God has so much for you. He wants you to see what's at stake, uh, and there's a lot at stake. Uh, drugs, alcohol, fill in the blank, just freedom in general in itself can bring yourself and those around you so much pain. It says that Titus is to exhort the young men to live sober-minded. The word exhort means to to call near, to invite, uh, to implore, and to beseech. So it's not just a casual, hey, you should live sober-minded if you think it's right. No, it's it's like you're to implore them, to to make make sure they know how important these decisions are going to be, and also the consequences if they don't. Kind of more or less just tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth. We can't get caught up in the, in the complacency of the world that says, you hear this a lot too, and you know, they're, they're, they're going to make their own mistakes. They'll learn from it. It's okay. They have to learn, right? Some parents say that. You guys think that's right? It's not right. You need to, to, we need to come alongside them and seriously give them a, a, that direction, that, that teaching, that they won't make those mistakes. That they'll be perfect or anything like that, but just a, a fair warning, hey, Look where this world's leading. It's fair enough, right? It's okay to tell them that. But, um, you know, I think of this, the parable of the lost son, of the prodigal son, and how it speaks of the young man um, um, that was ready. He thought he was ready uh, to be out in his own, to make his own decisions. And uh, you guys are familiar with that, right? The prodigal son, where he gets that inheritance from, from, his, uh, from his father, and, and he goes out, and the Bible says it, it's in Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 13, it says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, a journey to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In the King James Version, it says that, uh, uh, that he wasted all that he had with, with riotous living. Cool word, huh? Riotous living. It kind of gives you like a, a, a visual of it. And this time that he had to live the way he thought was right, all for a waste. In the end, he, he regretted every single minute. He came to the end of his rope, and it says in the Gospel of Luke, uh, where it was at 15, that he came to himself. In another translation, it says he came to his senses. He realized where he was at. He got back on track. How hard that, went, that would have been, right, to swallow his pride and go back to his father and ask for forgiveness. Um, but like I said, this, this, this is a parable I mean, on a big scale, it teaches us how God will receive us no matter what happens. Amen? No matter what happens. But on a you know, much smaller scale, it, uh, it teaches us how we need to protect our young people as well from, the most, from those hard lessons that uh, either we've made uh, um, or we've learned from 
and to protect them from that. How many of you want this to happen to your son? You know, how many of you want this to happen to one of your uh, younger brothers here in their fellowship? To go out and, and just be beaten up by the world, you know, and left for dead. You know, I, I hope uh, I hope you don't. I hope uh, I hope I'm looking out for these young men here, and reach out to them. And, um, you know, also outside the fellowship too. It, it's a it's very important because they're, they're pretty much what the future of the church, correct? The future of the church, and, and some don't have fathers to look out for them. Some need that strong voice, that that encouragement and correction. That correction in their lives, you know, and love, of course. You know, they need to see that you care. You know, I remember at this last men's retreat, there's a lot of young, young guys there, uh, up to no good while they were there, but no, but they were there to, to hear the word of God and to 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 be fed. They saw the importance. They saw the opportunity to go and to be in fellowship, uh, and to be blessed. But there was that decision they made, and it was a good decision to go. And to, and to be fed, like I said. It was a blessing to see. But they're there trying to live sober-minded. They made a good decision to go. Now, they're, they're, there's, there's two groups um, of young men here in the fellowship, young men that are, that are single and young men that are, they're what? Married, married, single, married. You guys awake? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Last, last week, uh, Manny spoke and taught a little to the young ladies and how, you know, they're, when they're married and how the, the older women are to admonish them and love their husbands and love their children, verses 4 through 5. So it's proper, right, to, to speak out to the young men who are married here and the responsibilities in the home. It kind of goes on to say that in verse 7 and 8. Let's read those again. It says, In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Wow. Um, just like Titus is called to be an example to the people of the churches here in Crete, husbands are to be an example to the people in where? Their home, right? In their home. Titus is, Titus is called to be a pattern of good works. That word pattern speaks of a, of a stamp of a stamp, an impression, a statue, a resemblance, a model. A model of what? Good works. Good works. Kind of simple, just good in what you do. You're honest, fair, and treat people with respect. You treat people well. Not just speaking good works, but teaching them in action. What happens if you're not a pattern? It doesn't rub off. It doesn't rub off. You have to teach and also show your good works. You know, one commentator put it like this. It says, exhortation, speaking, exhortation without example is hypocrisy. Ephesians 6, 4, you can just write this down. It says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the trading and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. It says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Those two verses kind of go over what the, you're supposed to establish your home on. Uh, young men, it's so important to establish your home on the Word of God. You can't do what you think is best. You can't be leading your home like a crazy man. 
I've heard some husbands tell their wives that, hey, you need to, I don't say how they would say this, but you need to submit to me. Did that ever work? Doesn't work. Right, ladies? Doesn't work, right? Doesn't work. We need to be um, young men, even yet older men too, we need to be what's referred to as, as, as a servant leader, a servant leader. You can't lord over your family. You have to serve them and in a way that they will see, uh, that your family will see, sorry, in a way that you will see your family not only love you, but they will more importantly love the Lord and respond and do their responsibilities that the Lord's called them to do. Uh, but you have to lead, not just in your home, but you have to lead in your obedience to Christ. I think that's the main thing. You have to have that, that strong responsibility of protecting your home and your family as well. You know, it's like Titus is supposed to re- protect the flock. I think we went over that a few weeks ago. In the church in Cre- churches in Crete, you are to protect your little flock at home. Um, you have to be like very aware and a part of everything that goes on in your home. Nehemiah 4.14, it says, Remember the Lord... great and awesome and fight for your brethren your sons your daughters your wives and your houses you know watch over your wife uh, watch over your children you know see if there's anything lacking um, or if they're struggling with anything you know I think it's weird but I do with good intentions right um, but you know wives sometimes talk on the phone when their husbands are at work correct correct uh, so, so sometimes I'll, I'll come home and I'll, and I'll ask my wife, you know, if anyone called or, you know, who she's talked to. Because who can come in through this phone? The enemy, right? Um, you know, I do it with just the intentions of protecting her, and she knows that, and the intentions of, of protecting the home, because it can't happen. You know, things that are talked about, things that are, are referred to, and, it, and it's not good, because you want, you want to represent your, the Lord even if it's just through your home, as a couple, as, as a family, and you want to be uh, involved as a husband, as a, as, a, as a young man, as an older man, and just protecting your wife, and protecting your, kind of weird, but protecting your wife's ears, and even her mouth, too. Uh, but you want to also, for your wife, also provide those opportunities for your wife to be in fellowship with other sisters in the Lord, and encourage them to go to, um, you know, to Bible studies, and you know, all those healthy things. And I had a young man the other day ask me, and, and it was pretty cool because he, he, saw, he saw a need for his wife. He, he wanted some information about a Bible study. I think that was pretty cool because it's very easy, easy as, a, as, a, as a husband to, for that not to be a priority. You know, your wife, your wife going to Bible studies and your wife um, being fed and, and, and her needing fellowship. You know that that can easily be out of your out of your bullseye. You know it's kind of a, kind of a selfish thing, but we need to be well aware of that as, as husbands. If you have children, as well, I know it's hard, and, but you need to be watch, watching out for them and their well-being also. My kids, you know, my kids are small right now, so they like being around mom and dad. You know, it's easy, not easy, but easier to protect them. Um, you know, I can't fathom the the fact of them getting older. But, but I'm well aware of the challenges of raising um, 
teenagers and young adults. But, but as parents, I don't think our intentions should change according to their age. Love them, protect them, discipline them, serve them, uh, no matter what age they are. You know, in doctrine, like it says, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. The word doctrine means, t- means a teaching or instruction. You know, as a husband, in your teaching, you are to show integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Words, the words integrity and incorruptibility go hand in hand. They are referred to as uh, showing um, sincerity or uncorruptness. This goes along with being a pattern, but more about what you teach, what you teach your family, just like Titus. Titus then and pastors today have this, have to have this steady way of life. They, they teach and live the life. A very high calling. you agree? Very high calling. You know, it wouldn't be right for you to hear, you know, our pastor, you know, tell you to, to wait and pray on the Lord and, and him not be an example of that. Or, you know, it's, it's the same thing for husbands at home. You know, you can't be telling your kids to honor their mother when you're not loving her as you're called to. You know, or even your wife, you know, if, if, you, know you shouldn't be teaching her things that you're not, you know, doing in your life. Um, kind of very simple, correct? Very simple. You know, um, uncorruptness also has a definition of a quality of not being turned or convinced. You know, you as a teacher cannot be turned away from the truth of God's word. Neither this world, friends, family will not get in the way of serving the Lord. It's a very good quality to have as, as a, in, our, in our pastor that he has in, in, all, in different pastors. It's a good quality to have and also as a husband, as a father. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. That word reverence, that last word there, means respect, honor, and purity. Also, also says a person or thing which is entitled to respect. That, that same word reverence in, uh, is also used in 1 Timothy 3, 4, where it says, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. So in this verse, the children, the children are to reverence their husband, or their, their father, sorry, their father. But in the verse in Titus, where it says reverence, the teacher should reverence the word of God and deliver it in a such manner in such a manner that it gives the word of God respect and taught in a, in a dignified manner. Just like husbands are to, to teach at home, you know, Titus is called and just uh, that respect that the word needs to have. Let's read verse 8 again. Verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Sound speech, whole and healthy teaching, which does not deviate from the truth. When you have those sound words, people will not be able to, to condemn those words. People will not be able to, to censor you because they are full of truth. People will look at you and hear you and won't have any you know, ammunition against you. They will have nothing evil to say of you. They will be ashamed because of what God has done in your life, having nothing evil to say. Mostly because of the life you live now matches up with the word of God. That you, that you teach in your faith. We know that, that being a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, what will come? Attacks will come, correct? Attacks will come from the outside world. People will come against you, challenge you when you speak God's word. We have seen many um, public 
examples of people standing for the word of God. But this is more of how you present and also represent what you speak. Titus needed to, to use a sound speech that was steady and firm, never deviating from the word of God. Same thing for young men. Married or not, you are the future of the church, like I said before. And this generation is, you see them being watched and scrutinized more for some reason. But, um, here's a couple of references uh, just to that, just living the life and uh, not worrying about anybody else. Uh, Proverbs 6, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. 1 Timothy 4, 12 kind of common verse for the youth, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in, doc, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 1 Peter 2.15 says, This is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So we went over this list here for young men, and I know it's a challenging one. I think everyone would agree, and I know it's a, it's a hard when you hear people say things about you, whether it be at work, at home, or even here, you know, in the fellowship. You know, a while ago, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deal with that. I would just, people just shrug it off, correct? You know, don't worry about it. You know, pay no attention to it, ignore it in a sense. You know, what should I care what people think about me? I'm not sure if you have that tendency as well. But, you know, in, in, in my shame, you know, a while ago, I, it came. I really wasn't in tune to what was really happening. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm, I no longer represent myself. You know, I represent him who died for me on that cross. So, so now it kind of does bug me what people say. Not, not in a way that gets me upset or angry or anything like that. But I, but I realize that they're not only coming against me, but they're coming against my Savior. So it kind of helps me to analyze my life. Maybe, maybe I'm not using that sound speech that we went over earlier. Maybe I'm not showing that integrity. Maybe I'm not, I'm not having that pattern of good works that we're called to have. You're not perfect or anything, but knowing that we all, not only these young men, not only Titus, but we all have a call in our lives. So it, could, it should kind of matter what people say. Because you take that in, maybe, maybe I'm not. You take it to the Lord first. Maybe I'm not living that life. And it kind of helps, it kind of helps me. It's been helping me. So I take it in and I um, chew on it for a little bit. And I, maybe I'll, I might, the Lord might put something, put his finger on something and say, hey, look. But um, you know, we all have a call in our lives to represent the Lord. These lies that he's given us. Here's the last verse for the young men. Ecclesiastes 11, 9. You know, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know, but know that all these God will bring you into judgment. You know, I guess in a nutshell, you know, live, live a sober life and make good choices that please, uh, please the Lord. And just at the end here, you know, I'm not at the end, but at the end of this, this, these verses here, young ladies might think, you know, when is he going to stop talking about these young guys? You know, this, this is not for me, you know, whatever. 
These are good qualities, though, right? You need to write these down. And if you have a desire to get married, this is a good list to, to watch out for, to, to keep an eye on. Because there's, there's, you don't want to make a wrong decision either. And, and compare things to the Word of God, because who knows best for you? The Lord does, right? And he, he, uh, he has that man for you. You need to start praying and, and be that woman first, correct? All right? Okay, verses, let's go over verses 9 through 10. Let's read those. It says, Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So the, the bond servant subject, you know, there were slaves back then. And it always trips me out. Many people were owned by other people. They had masters. We can imagine how some of these uh, slaves were treated back in this time. Uh, being that Titus was writing, uh, going to be instructing believers, you think they would, they would uh, with the Lord, um, you know, treat their, their bond servants correctly. It's just kind of a crazy subject. Am I, am I wrong thinking that? It's kind of, kind of different to think about this. Uh, but in reading some background, and I didn't do a whole lot because sometimes I get lost in this. Uh, but the little I did mention that, that, that some bond servants were treated better than others uh, compared to other, other, other slaves. But either way, Titus was to teach these slaves, these bond servants, to honor and to respect their masters. The first thing here uh, he used to teach them is to be obedient to their masters. The word obedient means to arrange yourself under, to submit under one's control, and also to yield to one's admonition or advice. To be well-pleasing in all things, not just some things, but all things. Not answering back. And that seems strange, huh? Them answering back. But I guess some bond servants back then uh, sometimes would, would talk back to their masters. Like I mentioned before, some of them had, had a better lives in general. Had better lives in general. But I guess some had the freedom to answer back. And that, that phrase, answer back, is to express or even speak against or contradict and also to oppose your master. Um, not pilfering, in verse 10, and the King James Version says, calls it purloining from them. And that means to set apart, to, to divide, and also has the definition to embezzle, to embezzle. A common reference to this purloining in Scripture is in the Old Testament. And we went over it a few, few Thursdays ago. But it's that story of Elijah and Gehazi. Anybody remember that? Um, for those of you who don't know the story, there, there's three, three guys, Naaman, Elijah, and Gehazi. Naaman, the commander of the king's army, has leprosy. Elijah, this is the fast version. Elijah has someone, uh, Elijah has someone to tell him to, to dip in the Jordan. How many times? Do you guys know? Seven, Seven times, correct. Um, and it's pretty cool. You know, I, I, I'm not sure if I've, I probably read it, but it, it really hit me hard when, when uh, we learned it this past Thursday, or a few Thursdays ago, that when he was healed, uh, that his skin was like what? Like a, like a what did it say? A, a little child. It's like a little child. That was really cool. But he dipped in, he, he's, he's uh, restored, his leprosy is gone. And, and that naturally, after Naaman wants to, wants to do what? Give him, give him a gift, right? Give him some, some, some gold and whatever. And Elijah, Elijah says in 2 Kings 5.16, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, 
I will receive what? Nothing. I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it. Naaman urged him to take it, but he refused. So this is where there's Naaman Elijah, and this is where Gehazi comes in. You know, thinks his master pretty much has made a mistake, and after they separate, he ends up going back to Naaman and tells him that, uh, you know, he wants some dough and some, some threads too. Um, but this is kind of like that, that direct disobedience of his master. You know, he, he took something that really Elijah should have received, but he chose not to. But he went and got it anyways. Um, but I think this is where Titus is trying to warn the bond servants back then of the obedience they need to have to their masters, to have them totally submit to them, putting yourself under their authority. Because in the end, Titus was to exhort these bond servants to have these qualities of submission for a very important reason. In doing so, in living a life in direct submission to their masters in heaven, to your master in heaven, you will adorn the doctrine of God to your earthly masters. And people will see the gospel through your life, kind of what we see, we've been talking about already. You know, just living a life. You know, you speak it, you live it. And today this applies, uh, you know, this section of scripture along with others in, in like Ephesians and Colossians where it speaks about bond servants and masters. It kind of goes over the, the workforce, right? Bo- uh, bosses and employees, kind of that... that um, modern-day teaching, I guess you would say. But let me read Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, if you can just listen. This gives us some more insight to this. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, it says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. You know, it still applies today. You know, back then some bond servants were better off than others, like I had said. It isn't a stretch that some were treated worse than others, like today. Some of us have those bosses that treat us well, and some of us have those bosses that don't treat us very well. Correct? Who has a bad boss? Send Manny over there. No, just kidding. Uh, but sometimes that happens. Uh, here's First Peter two eighteen. It says this is really gives us that that application about that. First uh, Peter two eighteen says, "Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh." But it's all for that for that purpose, for that purpose of of, of being a witness of wearing the doctrine of your Savior, and being able to witness to them. In a very simple way, but just putting yourself underneath their authority. And don't, don't get me wrong, I know it's hard. I've been in those times where I challenge my boss. You know, I, I don't give him that respect that he deserves. And it looks really bad. Because of what? Because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I should, there should be an ex, not just a difference, but an extreme difference in my dealings with him. You know, I should be, I and we should be a light at work, shining for the gospel. You know, it might be hard to consider yourself a bond servant of your boss, but are you a bond servant of Jesus Christ? If you are, you will do what he asks you to do, and one of those things is to submit to your boss. So I guess in summary, guys, I, I guess I want to, to get the point across that we all have a calling 
to represent Christ in our lives, young or old. You know, I'm not sure if that's something everyone here knows and practices when we leave those doors. But we need to. I know I need help in my life because I mess up. And you cannot do any of this without the Lord. You need to have that steady, healthy relationship. And that's where it starts. Your relationship with the Lord. And then you'll be used for other people in this congregation. And, and you know, if the Lord leads you to teach with the kids or be a nut, sure, greeting people, it doesn't really matter. Um, but it starts with your own life. Uh, then your home, and then you, you can be used here. But that, that, that calling in our lives is very, I don't want to say heavy, but it's, it's in, I guess, important, and I guess you, you don't want to look away from it. You don't want to lose your, 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 that track that the Lord has placed in front of you to run. You know, if you're married uh, or a part of, of the of leadership here in the church, if you teach, overseer, you need to have that strong desire to constantly be in tune with the Lord. Just like Titus was called. A very important call in Titus's life. Because there's, there's a lot to lose. There's much at stake. There's much at stake here. And we all have to give an account for it. But I think it's very cool. That these first ten verses kind of goes over everyone here at the church, huh? Kind of gives us guidelines and, and, and just that that bullseye to shoot for. Not that we're always going to hit it, but that, that it just gives us that, that point where we need to be and how the Lord wants us to live our life. Um, amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Let me pray. Our Lord, we come before you. Lord, just thanking you so much for uh, all you've done for us, Lord. Uh, just praying for everyone here, Lord. The, from the eldest, Lord, to the youngest, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you, you touch our lives, Lord, that the studies that come um, from this pulpit, Lord, may, may impact lives and, and change lives, Lord. But mostly your word, Lord, that your word go forth, Lord, uh, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, may you um, just continue to guide and lead us. Help us, Lord, not to take our eyes off the cross, Lord, knowing that the, it's everything to us, Lord. We thank you so much Lord, for the for the blood of your son, Lord, that washed the way of our sins. Lord, and we pray for everyone, anyone here, Lord, that might not know you, Lord, as their Lord and Savior. Just praying for them, Lord, and asking that you you show them, Lord, that they have that meeting, Lord, as 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 Paul did on the road to Damascus, Lord. Just knowing, Lord, where this this road they're going on is leading. just pray, Lord, that you, you touch lives today. And we just thank you, Lord, for being a part of just your ministry, Lord, here at Calvary Chapel Almighty. Lord, may you continue to lead the leadership, Lord, praying for our pastor, Lord. Just everything that's on his heart, Lord, we, we lift them up to you, Lord, the, the trips, Lord, the Cambodia trip coming up, Lord. Uh, if it's part of your will, Lord, uh, may you plan it out. Just all the little details here, Lord, in, in this congregation, Lord, may you protect the flock. May you help us, Lord, to, to shine for you, Lord, and just uh, build each other up, Lord, like we've learned. Uh, may you get all the glory and praise, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for being us here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.